0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hello, this is Enrique from San Diego. I love the show. Great fan. Uh, listen every day. My question is Is Facebook still undervalued?
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: And if you think the growth of their earnings are going to match what you've seen over the past year or so, uh, they're probably a bit undervalued.
0: Invest Talk over 32 million downloads and counting your participation makes it unique
2: 888-99-CHART this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president kpp financial independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, August 19th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And I appreciate you all tuning in as we enter the last bastion of, of, of summer. I guess. Maybe not. I guess we have a month left. Uh, so I know for uh, around here, school starts on Monday. So I always think of that as. The end of summer, but I guess we have a month left. But uh, what is changing in the market uh, is the volatility. Uh, You're starting to see that pick up. uh, A lot of shifts going on in anticipation of a Fed tapering. And I'm going to do my best to unpack it for you today. And as always, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So whatever I speak about, a sector, a stock, a strategy, it is is all presented without bias. And I'm just here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And that means you can interact with me right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, as always. But if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can listen or you can call in to our InvestTalk Bank anytime, 24-7. The number either way never changes, Eight 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 ninety nine chart So let's quickly pivot to our first listener question now.
0: Hi, Stephen Justin, love the show, and would love your take on Cigna PI. It seems with the recent drop that it's hit a good buy opportunity, and I'd love to add this to my long-term portfolio. Thanks and look forward to the answer on the podcast.
1: All right, looking at Cigna Health, and this is one of the largest health insurance companies in the world, $70 billion market cap. It is down pretty significantly off its 52-week high of $272, now at $206, so down about 25% from its 52-week high. Yields around 2%, so nice, solid dividend yield. Earnings are expected to grow 10% this year from $18.45 last year to $20.31. But those expectations are starting to be downgraded. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you see the stock really in a a consistent downtrend. And the big question is, where will support be? And whenever you are in a strong downtrend on a daily chart, you probably want to zoom out and look for major support levels on the weekly and the monthly chart as well and that's what i want to do real quick cuz that will that will help inform us where there might me might be some some support now if you if you do a fib retrace from the lows back in march of last year to the highs of earlier this year uh, the support levels come in we're actually near here right around 201 now it's at 206 so i will say that's pretty uh, pretty good support but i probably would not get too excited about it from a technical perspective until uh, about 186 to to 190 in that range. That's where I would think there would be some uh, much better uh, support. So uh, I'm going to pass on Cigna for right now. It it just really doesn't get me that excited. Uh, Technically, it's very poor, uh, and I worry a lot about the healthcare market. You're getting more and more government activity, uh, governments passing more stimulus packages, passing more uh, intrusion, I guess, into our lives. And you can call that a good thing or a bad thing, Medicare for all, single payer. You can argue one way or the other, I'm not here to do that. What I will say is that is gaining steam. And the private insurers who benefited greatly from Obamacare uh, are unlikely to benefit from any shift the other way, where government is more... Uh, in, in the hands of uh, our government health care is more prevalent, let's just say that, uh, because the demand for private health care like this will be less. And so that's my biggest worry about this space, is that all those tailwinds that Obamacare have given the space over the last decade uh, are could easily be unraveled um, with the trends you're seeing in Washington. So uh, I don't like the trend you're seeing on the chart or the trends in Washington, and that's why I'm going to pass on Cigna. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, Car Buyers Beware, the Rule of 78. This is a little-known fact about loans, and there are some intricacies uh, in regards to car loans specifically, but this can apply to really any type of loan. It's something you should always look out for if you're taking out a loan. Uh, This is different than kind of the flat rate calculation for interest, and so that's why I want to unpack this and... Give you an update on what that looks like, and I also want to talk about buybacks and and corporate spending, and really that's what the market's uh, relying on in a a big way for those buybacks to uh, continue, and we're going to unpack that. And then Alaska, Alaskan oil permits have been blocked by a federal judge. This is a this is a trend, uh, and it, it it bodes. Poorly for the supply of oil and natural gas in this country. And that's why uh, it's just another shot across the bow in the fight against the supply of carbon emissions. And once again, I'm not talking about whether that's a good policy or bad policy longer term. I'm talking about what this could mean for markets more short to medium term. And I want to unpack, I want to talk about that as well. Now, Let's touch on the market today. It was fairly volatile, and you'll see the major headlines. you say, okay, it was a modest up day. You had the S&P up five points. You had the NASDAQ up 15 points. Very modest up day. But if you look underneath the surface, it was a very weak day. NYSE was down 121 points, about two-thirds of 1%. You had the Russell 2000 down 26 points over one percent broke below the 200-day moving average today on the Russell. So all those kind of tailwinds that you've seen from consumer st- or government spending and, and domestic um, stimulus, the market's saying that is waning uh, a bit. And so the fact that they have not passed that uh, that stimulus package that is going to be needed to keep the economy moving, uh, that's what I think weighing on the market a lot, as well as the coming tapering from the Fed, which we're likely to get some announcement next week in Jackson Hole and um, uh, I believe it's, what symposium? There's a, there's a Fed symposium next week as well. So all these things are weighing on the market and overall, this market feels uh, a bit heavy. And I've been saying this, this is what I kind of expect in the summertime, some sort of market pullback, but nothing to get too crazy about, too worried about. It's the natural ebb and flow of the markets. And uh, we were just overbought. And now we need to kind of correct and corrections are, are healthy as long as they don't get too deep. And I don't expect this one to be. So now we're heading into a short break, but I'm here I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions. So give us a call at 888 chart
0: Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. And the InvestTalk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Emilio's in San Francisco, looking at Cisco, which just had earnings. So do you own it or looking to buy it, Emilio's? I'm looking to buy it, sir. Uh, nice to hear from you. How are you, Justin? I'm very well. Nice to hear from you as well, Emilios. Uh, you're looking to buy it. You, you, you think uh, you just like the networking business, uh, Cisco itself? Are you after that dividend? What's your your main motivation here? Uh, my main motivation to see if it's, um, if you know, sustainable. If it's, I understand, it would be a slow growth. But is
2: it? Would you buy it for the long term? Would,
1: Well, whenever I think long-term for any investment, uh, I want to look at potential growth. You you said there's slow growth, and that's certainly true, Uh, consistent growth, but slow growth. And then next, I would look at profitability of the business. And historically, over the last decade, you have a return equity in the high teens, which is very, very strong. And it's even much stronger over the past couple of years with an average return equity somewhere in the high 20% range. So they certainly improved their profitability. Uh, they have a pretty clean balance sheet and, and uh, actually net cash on their balance sheet. So I like that. And their enterprise value to EBITDA is at about 14 times, which is definitely near the higher end of uh, its recent range. But if it can grow consistently, then I think it's fine. It's definitely not cheap at these levels. I would say it's about fairly valued. So it's not something that's a screaming buy. But the technicals are very strong. The momentum of the business is very strong. And the long term profitability uh, is very strong as well. So if this is a long term play for you, you're not just trying to Play that, that short to medium term upside, which I still think there is some some decent uh, short to medium ups, term upside. Uh, I like it uh, f- as a, a part of a diversified portfolio. So I'm going to give Cisco a thumbs up. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So let's pivot to one right now and talk to Ryan Zoet says, have Charlie Mungers and Monish Pabra, I don't know who that is, uh, recent purchase of Alibaba had any impact on your negative outlook on the Chinese companies? No, not at all. Th- this is, this is the space and you see that today, uh, down another, I don't know how, what was Alibaba down and take a look at this real quick. Alibaba down $11.80. That's 6% or so. And, This just continues to deteriorate. Now, the one positive thing I would say near term is there was pretty high volume, the highest volume you've seen since late last year when you had a spike down in in late December on Alibaba. And that did mark kind of a short-term bottom. It rallied into late February from there. So it had a two-month rally when you had similar volume back then. And you certainly could see that now. Uh, uh, But that was a Dead cat bounce. And I see that uh, this is a dead cat bounce as well if it does uh, rebound. So I just don't like this space. I've said it for a while. I've been warning all of you that the risk here is rising from a, a geopolitical standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint. And everyone looks at the numbers, but the numbers are in some way, fabricated. Now, how much is it fabricated? We don't know until you get a proper accounting of uh, these businesses, even the large ones. They, you cannot trust what they are telling you because of their lack of accounting principles and and uh, and the fact that their Chinese regulators and auditors are the ones putting out these numbers. And we know kind of what that means uh, coming from there. So I don't have any evidence of this, but I've said this before, I really think what's happening here is we're cracking down. The US is telling we're going to crack down, we're going to force these public companies to be audited the way that our public companies are by the same types of entities. Uh, And I think this is probably a negotiation saying, okay, let us kind of Crack down and do our own regulating Before you come in And maybe embarrass us Because that's not what uh, It's Asian culture They don't like to be embarrassed And so it's easier for them To do the regulating And crack the whip And I think that's what you're seeing now And so this is has not changed my view of that. Just because Charlie Munger says one thing doesn't mean it's gospel. So, no, I, has, I have not changed my outlook on the Chinese names. Now, I've been listening. Uh, let's go to another one. Don says, I've been listening a couple of years to your podcast. I've learned a lot. What do you think about T-Doc, Teladoc? And this is another one of those kind of broken stories, COVID stories I just don't like the valuation still. Even though it's down 56% from its 52-week high, it's still losing money. Yes, it's going to lose less. Uh, there are a lot of these types of names within the space. There's a few other of these on-demand healthcare uh, platforms, and it's going to be competitive. They're going to be compete for doctors. They're going to compete for patients, and uh, I think there's definitely a future in this space. But whether tele, just because TeleDoc was the first mover, I think that's what a lot of people uh, focus on. Oh, this is tele. This is the telemedicine uh, medicine space. This is the band aid of this space. Well, guess what? There are others that, in some ways, are more profitable, uh, have better growth, have better leadership, uh, have hybrid models. Which I think that's really the winning model is a hybrid model where it's not just telemedicine, but Melded with some sort of network of facilities you can go to when telemedicine just won't suffice because it doesn't fit for every uh, modality in medicine. I know this; uh, I live with a doctor, so uh, I'm going to pass on teledoc. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're ready to take your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions 888-99-chart.
1: Let's go to Luke in Wisconsin looking at Oshkosh, OSK is the symbol. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we're going to Robert. Uh, We're going to Robert. I'm sorry. Robert was first in Pleasanton looking at SQFT. Yeah. Hey,
0: Justin, I bought this, uh, just about, uh, gosh, barely over a month ago and it's dropped almost 30% since I bought it. And I'm just wondering if I made a bad decision or if this is a time to be buying more the, uh, Dividend yield is very attractive, even more so now.
1: Okay. This is Presidio Property Trust. They own a diverse set of product types, including office, retail, industrial, self-storage, and residential properties. So this is an example of a very diversified REIT. There are a lot of different REITs out there. They typically focus on one area. Sometimes it's industrial. Sometimes it's residential. Sometimes it's self-storage or office. Uh, But this one... Combines almost all of those types. Now, the first question is: besides the dividend, what attracted you to this? Was it that diversity? Absolutely. Okay. And it looks like it recently went public in October. Can you tell me any more about that? Uh, was it Was it just a normal IPO? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've never heard of this one, so I don't have any history there. Return on equity over the since 2014 has been negative on average. only had one positive year, 2018. So it looks like it's fairly poorly run. Now, leverage has come down, which is good. So they've been paying down some debt. Uh, shares outstanding has come down, which is positive, uh, where their revenue has also come down. They'll, they may have paid off some uh, – paid – uh, sold off some assets to pay down debt and pay down uh, some some shares. So I'm not sure about that. It looks pretty complex. It's a very small company, only 34 million dollar market cap. So I, I would pass on this. It's just too small and opaque. Very few uh, trailing 12 month revenue is 5 million, down 21 percent year over year. I'm just taking my losses. Learn if you if you want to invest in REITs, the big diversified. And you can say it's diversified in types of property, but it's so small with such uh, low low amount of assets that it's really not that well diversified. Um, so I'm going to pass on it. I would move on. You're you're going to get a better yield, uh, better quality from a lot of the other REITs. So I'm going to pass on SQFT. Let's go to Luke in Wisconsin now, Oshkosh. Uh, oh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Excuse me. So you're looking at SBSW. Sibane Stillwater, ADR. Are you looking to buy it or do you own it?
0: Yeah, Justin. So I took a small position in SBSW, and I was just looking at your opinion and if you think the dividend will hold up.
1: I do think the dividend will hold up. Let me pull up some of the the numbers here. I've looked at this uh, recently. Now, know that it is a commodity producer. So commodity producer dividends are never... That's safe <laughs> because they're typically their cash flows and their earnings are at the whims of commodity prices. Now this is a name that has had a very very strong growth over the past couple of years. If you look at earnings in 2018 were nothing. This year the to makes $4.66. So and it's a $14 stock. And now it is South African uh, they're fairly well diversified. They have some gold holdings. Uh, they have a lot of zinc uh, miner, mining operations. Uh, and so th- they're well diversified. So it- it's certainly high risk. You have uh, a lot of the-, the risks of being in, in Africa, for example. Um, but- and they have some refineries, which there's always risk there on uh, what the output costs versus input costs are, et cetera. Uh, but I like it. I like this name. It's now into some pretty good support. Um, so I would be picking up shares here uh, if you uh, don't have any, or you don't. If you, if your allocation is not that high, um, I think you're getting into some pretty good support here, right around uh, $15. So hope that helps. Thank
0: you very much, Justin. Have a good one.
1: No problem. Now let's squeeze in a quick caller question from the Invest Talk listener line now.
0: Good morning. Hey, I'm looking to find out what your opinion is on, and if so, a good opinion, what would be a good entry point for ticker symbol TTD, the trade desk? Thank you.
1: All right, looking at TTD, this is one of those growth names that is has peaked out back. When did this peak out? Let me take a look here. Back in December of last year, at a 52-week high around... 97 and change. Now we're at 75 and change. It hit a low in May of 47. So it's been very volatile. And this is a perfect example of the type of name that when you have a growth slow, the valuation starts to, multiples start to sink. And that's what you've seen recently. So it's still only supposed to make 82 cents next year, up 15% from this year's expected earnings of 71 cents, up from 69 cents last year but it's trading at all about a hundred times forward earnings. Uh, I'm not paying a hundred times when your earnings are only growing 15%. That's insanity. Uh, So absolutely not. I am not owning trade desk. It's valuation is far, far, far too high for where you see where the growth is, is happening where cash flows are. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 141. Passing. Hard pass. Give me a call. I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Summer's moving fast. The Labor Day holiday is already on the horizon. And you can't afford to lose focus. So have your finance and investment questions ready and call Justin Klein now. Invest Talk, eight 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 ninety nine chart Let's
1: go talk to Rafael in Dallas looking at you, which is Clear Secure Secure Inc. Do you own it or are looking to buy it? Uh,
0: I'm just looking to buy it. I saw it on CNBC, but I wanted to see what your thoughts were.
1: Well, from a big, big government type of uh, standpoint, this, uh, I think, scares a lot of people. It's a biometric company that automates the identity verification process. Uh, you've probably seen them in airports and other uh, ways where, where people are screened. And this is a company that is certainly growing pretty fast. They are not profitable yet, but they are getting there. And if you look at their cash flows, uh, certainly are improving uh, dramatically. Share count is dropping from 73 million last year to 60 million. Free cash flow trailing 12 months, 10 million, but uh, 7 billion dollar market cap. So this is more of a question of hey, their they're, their install base is getting bigger, uh, and it's one of those things where if you support it. And you think it's going to gain traction, and enough people are going to sign up for Clear, then you probably want to go for it because they, they're already cash flow positive. And in today's world, where we're identified with our phones all the time anyway, um, this is probably the way of the future, whether you like it or not. Um, so it's certainly high risk, but. Once again, I see it all over the airports and you can apply it to other aspects of you know, going to sporting events and concerts and things like that that will make that uh, a lot easier and, and certainly their business will, will do well if that's the case. So uh, That's really my take. It's probably a safe bet, but I don't know. I just don't love supporting it. But Let's go to James in New York and he was talking about interest, interest rates. Yeah,
0: um, I just wanted to uh, know I have a sizable amount of money in a a bank account, just a traditional bank account. And I was wondering, I did not want to expose it to uh, market uh, fluctuations. I was hoping that uh, I might just make an investment if I want to use that money. It's not going to fluctuate up and down too much. So that's kind of what I was looking to do. Um, Is there anything you might recommend for that, like a short-term fixed income bond
1: or anything of that nature? I, I would like to avoid CDs. Yeah, I would say the best thing, and this is what I use with uh, my very short-term cash. Obviously, I don't have a lot of it, but I use a high-yield savings account. Uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs is the one that that I use, get half a percent. It's not great. (laughs) Once again, I don't have a ton of money in there just because it's not something that I want to – uh, I can do much better in the markets uh, with my expertise, but it's always good to have a, a small uh, amount in emergency savings, like you said. And that's not going to fluctuate. It's FDIC insured, et cetera. So that's probably the best way you can go. I know it doesn't sound very appetizing. It isn't very appetizing, but that's the world we live in. And if you want safety and you don't want CDs, and even CDs are not going to get much more than that anyway, uh, I think your liquidity there, your safety and – at least something of a yield, better than the 0.01%. I know uh, JP Morgan, that's so what they pay on their savings accounts because they don't need more deposits, so they have no reason to attract it. Uh, but that's what you're getting over at Marcus. But there are other ones. There are definitely other high-yield savings accounts. Maybe there's a few that are a little bit more as well. You can shop uh, for those uh, around on the Internet uh, and just make sure that they're FDIC-insured and they are reputable. Right? Now, My focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Car Buyers Beware, the Rule of 78, and this is a very interesting rule, and it applies to car loans mainly, but can apply to other types of loans, and most car, oper- car loans operate with the Rule of 78 when it comes to early prepayments. Now, applying the Rule of 78 changes the way the interest is charged, is distributed over the life of the loan. And what it basically does is has a greater portion of your interest paid off early rather than the principal in the first half of the loan tenure. So in a normal kind of flat rate calculation, your interest payments are going to decline slowly as, the, uh, as you go along because a lot of that will go to principal and a normal amount will go to interest. Now, they call it Rule 78 because the way they calculate it is uh, they add for a full year 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8 plus 9 plus 10 plus 11 plus 12 equals 78. And what that means is they apply for the month of January. Let's say your loan is over a full year. The month of January gets 12, uh, meaning uh, about twelfth of – sorry, 11 out of the 12 – Let me try to explain it in a simple way because this can be pretty complex. But what it basically means is your interest payment in December, the last payment, is half of what the November interest payment would be. And what this does is it arranges early prepayments of interest so that if you prepay the loan early, the bank is compensated because you've paid a lot of the interest up front early on in the loan. And this ensures that those that repay the loan uh, early will pay a lot more than those that repay the loan kind of later in the, the loan. And so when you're looking at a car loan, for example, you want and you, you maybe you are going to sell it in three years. Know that that middle halfway point is where your interest rates really start to drop off where you've prepaid a lot of the loan, most of the interest, halfway through. And so you really have to think about the rule of 78 when you're picking the length of your car loan in relation to how long you're thinking about keeping the car. And that's what it's really uh, all about. And it's a way to for the banks to protect themselves from early prepayment. And that's why, I don't know if you ever bought a car, and you say, well, I'm going to finance it, but I'm going to pay it off in a couple of months. Maybe you get a, an influx of cash or whatever that is. They don't like that because they, the bank is expecting to have these cash flows over a long period of time. And if you pay that off early, that's cutting off a long series of cash flows that they are expecting. And so you are going to pay a penalty because of that in the Rule 78 is the way that they ensure that. Okay, So basically how it works is if you lose a simple calculation, say $10,000, 3% per year, and you have interest payments of, say, $25 every month of that year, if it's a flat rate, you're paying that $25 every month. But if it's rule 78, the first month you're actually paying $46, the next month 42 the next month 38 the next month $34, the next month 30 and then about 27 in June. And then by July, that's when you get below that $25 mark and start dropping all the way to $4 in interest payments in July. December. So that's kind of how that works. Go to our website. There's a link to the article. It's very good in explaining it, uh, a pretty complex topic. Hopefully, I did uh, fairly well. But if you are confused, head over there. There's a lot of great information for you. Now, let's pivot back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question from a listener in Michigan.
0: Hi, Stephen, Justin. This is Suzanne from Michigan. I'm hoping you can explain the hit on metals of mining. I own Rio SLVP COPX and GDX, all of which now have a cost basis above the market prices today. My positions aren't really
1: large. Do I use this as an opportunity to add a bit here or do I hold for the near or basically long term? I look forward to hearing your thoughts in this sector or these positions in particular. Thank you. Have a great day. I think the answer is yes, that this is an opportunity to pick up a lot of those names Remember, they were very overbought in the spring, and the, the mining sector as a whole has had a fairly large pullback. But if you see what's happening in the space, the, uh, the increasing fiscal uh, authorities that are going to spend on infrastructure and other, uh, other goods and services, that is going to drive the demand for raw materials. And if you look at the permitting of new mines, new supply of these raw materials, it's getting a lot more difficult. So to me, I'm still long-term structurally bullish, even though near-term you do have a bit of a pullback when you have the, the economy slowing a bit, cyclicality of the economy Ebbing a bit that's going to weigh on those more cyclical sectors of the market. And I think that's what you're seeing here. But in the back half of this year, you're likely to get more stimulus that will drive uh, the economy going forward. But near term, you are seeing some cyclical headwinds. So to me, this is a buying opportunity in uh, a lot of secular tailwinds driving that sector over the coming decade. Now let's pivot. In relation to that, to a ruling by a federal judge on Wednesday, which threw out a federal approval of a multi-billion dollar oil project planned for Alaska, saying that the government failed to properly assess the project's impact on the climate change and its potential harms to polar bears. This is the ConocoPhillips Willow project that was supposed to be on the north slope of the Federal Oil Reserve in Alaska. And it came with wide support from Alaskan political leaders. And U.S. Judge Sharon Gleason agreed with the challenges and argued that the Bureau of Land Management didn't fully account for these factors, greenhouse gases and uh, the the issues surrounding the, the greenhouse emissions, basically, is what her assessment was. Now, this was a... Willow was a planned 160 barrel of oil a day, 30-year project, and it was going to be drilled on the permafrost in the federal government's national petroleum reserve in Alaska. And this is just one example. And I guarantee you can go back over the last few years, and there's going to be a lot more in the future of making it a lot more difficult. And this, once again, is not me telling what telling you what the what the policies should be I'm just telling you what is and that's so important it's probably the one thing and especially in today's hyper political environment is people take their politics and they infuse them into their decision-making process when it comes to investing and that is the worst thing you can do because the market doesn't care about your politics the market doesn't care about what you think should or should not happen. All the market cares about is what will happen. Okay? And this is what is happening. You're seeing these types of projects getting taken down for not much more than, hey, this is going to be bad for climate change. Well, you can apply that to so many other types of natural resource extraction out there in the world. And when we when judges are shooting these down on that basis, that doesn't bode well for new supply of oil, gas, metals, minerals, whatever is needed to build a green economy as well as sustain our current economy from an energy and base metal and mineral perspective. And so I wanted to bring this to light because it's just one of those additional data points that back up that, hey, the metal, mining, oil, natural gas space. If you have installed supply, the value of that, I think, is going up each and every day because new supply is not coming online for various reasons. And one big one is ESG and the push towards Fighting climate change. Once again, it's not whether you agree with that or not. It's a matter of what is. Now, looking at the calendar, we are now halfway through the third quarter. In the market, we're seeing a bit of volatility, so you need to be prepared to handle these circumstances. So I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. Just like out here on Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate the same philosophy: independent, independent thinking and shared success. Which means we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So, if you need help, you want to get a second opinion on where your financial picture is headed, I'd be happy to set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We want to help you in any way we can. Now, let's squeeze in one quick caller question from the Invest Talk anytime listener line now. Hello, this is Enrique from San Diego. I love this show. Great fan. Uh, listen every day. My question is, is Facebook still undervalued? I understand the S&P 500 is currently oversold right now or overbought, but uh, Facebook has a predicted earnings per share on the next five years of 28% and a target price on FinBiz of 386. So my question is,
0: should I keep adding to my position right now or wait for a pullback?
1: I would love to hear your answer. Thank you very much. All right, looking at Facebook and... We have a trillion-dollar market cap on Facebook. It is down a bit from its 52-week high of 377. It's down 6%, so minor pullback recently. And if you think the growth of their earnings are going to match what you've seen over the past year or so, uh, they're probably a bit undervalued, uh, because their earnings in 2018 were $6.43, supposed to make $14.03 this year, $16 next year, even though that, that estimate's being downgraded a bit. Uh, the biggest risk I see, though, is regulatory. Uh, what's happening in Washington, you have Lena Kahn, who's, uh, really a hawk on a lot of these, uh, Silicon Valley titans, the fangs, uh, and Facebook is, to me, one of the most egregious ones when it comes to abusing uh, data and really really in the crosshairs of potential regulation. And so I'm going to pass on Facebook. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your call in now at 888 99Chart.
0: Today, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Hi, Stephen, Justin. Thanks so much for the show. Really enjoy it. I have a question regarding a Russian company called Kiwi. ticker symbol is. QIWI. My question is, uh, would this be a good time to invest? They've taken a hit this year, but the financials look pretty stable. Now, I know it's a risky segment, a risky part of the world in terms of investing, but it could maybe be a good diversification thing into the emerging markets.
1: Let me know what you think. Thank you so much. Regards from Andre. This is Kiwi, Q-I-W-I is the symbol and the name of the company, and it's engaged in the operation operating electronic online payment systems in Russia, Kazakhstan, Moldova, Belarus, Romania, UAE, and other countries. So it, I don't know much about it. It looks like uh, maybe uh, transferring money outside of the SWIFT system, uh, possibly. I have to look into this a little deeper. But if you look at the company as a whole – It it had earnings, and it looks like it has pretty good cash flows, uh, trailing 12-month free cash flow of $2.17. Now, after earnings recently, it's now $9.09, so it's certainly cheap. Uh, I like what you're looking at of trying to diversify uh, the company. It has good, strong profitability. But I I just don't love the fact that it's uh, in this uh, world. It recently had earnings and it sunk dramatically today down, let's see, uh, 6.67%. Yeah, from 9.75 yesterday to uh, about 9.09 today. And I don't see much major support. What was interesting is there's not a lot of volume. Even though it was down pretty dramatically today on those earnings, it really didn't peak out. You didn't have that strong capitulation. So, I like what you're looking at from trying to find a a deep value, but technically it looks horrid, and I do not see capitulation volume yet. That's what I'd be watching for is everyone dumping it, everybody getting out, and just being over the name because it's down so much. That's when you probably want to pick up something like this, but until I get that capitulation volume, I'm passing on Kiwi, Q-I-W-I. Now, the program clock is running down, but we can squeeze in one more question from this podcast. This call came in earlier from San Bernardino, California, on 888-99-CHART. Hello, my name is Chase Hoka out of San Bernardino, California.
2: I'm calling about ticker symbol H-E-X-O... Hexo Corp, it's a
0: Canadian cannabis company. I'm already involved in it, but it's it's going downhill. I'm just wondering if I should uh, stick it out or if I should get out while I still can. Thank you for
1: answering my question, and you guys have a great day. All right, this is Hexo Corp, Canadian company that operates or offers cannabis, peppermint oil, uh, sprays, marijuana powder, dried flour, etc. And two things I don't like about this. It's Canadian. I think the best cannabis plays are going to be in domestic producers. Uh, the whole space in general is is down right now. So it's not exactly. Uh, I'm waiting once again for capitulation volume in this space as well. I'm not really seeing it. Uh, if you look at a lot of these names, there's just continuing to grind lower. And I think this will probably continue to grind lower uh, because the fact that it, the space is weak as well as that it's Canadian and more money is flowing towards those domestic producers that have more of a footprint here in the U.S. and have more upside to being listed on the exchanges once there uh, is some some federal laws that are changed, which will happen probably this decade, but what year, it's very hard to know. Uh, and this is a company that continues to lose more and more money, and that's an issue as well. With such a profitable type of business, it should be making money, but it's not. It's increasing their share count from 15 million shares outstanding in 2017 to 108 million today. That's a dramatic increase, 70, 700%, something like that. And so I would just be getting out of this name. And yeah, it's not something that I would be very excited about. So I'm definitely passing on Hexo, H-E-X-O. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over the 34 million mark. You can get our downloads for free anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And you can also listen on InvestTalk.com. So you can head over there, browse by topic, whatever's on your mind. I'm sure we have a title for you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
2: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.